Welcome to another episode of La Ventanita, the Miami Herald Food Podcast. I am your co-host, Carlos Frias, the Miami Herald Food Editor, joined every week by my buddy right over there, Amy Reyes. Hi. How you doing, Carlos? I'm doing okay. You know how it's been. This week is this week has been so chock full of like crazy news and Yeah, and, uh, it's, it's, it's been pretty all... insane for the food for the food world. Um, yeah, this is the summer. I thought we were supposed to be chill, but I guess yeah, not. no, zero chill. Yeah. But before you start, you just you need to recognize that I am officially now a food influencer because I got invited to a secret dinner. And um, yeah, yeah now, once you once you get invited to a secret burger club, then uh, <laughs> then I think that you've crossed the threshold. Totally. Like it's just duck, it's just duck lips and like uh, and like booty poses from now on. Mm-hmm. That's all. It's like, hey, look at me with this burger. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. <laughs> oh, but we had fun. And guess where it was? It was at Smoke and Dough, obviously in Kendall. In the kingdom of Kendall. In the kingdom of Kendall, and um, he made a smoked brisket burger, and it had like homemade pickles, and it had he made homemade potato chips, and I I can really um appreciate people who make homemade potato chips because I think that is a um. That they're is not a, easy to do. They're no, not easy to and do. they're not easy easy to do well. They yeah, were really no, good. That's true. They are easy to do, but not easy to do well. No, and, and he served a big chunk of like barbecue along the side of it, like a. It was like a, burnt ends, a, a right? Burnt end, or, yeah, a dude, little burnt end for everybody. A chunk of burnt end. My husband stole mine, so I only got to take a bite of it. I went up to oh, go to the bathroom, and then I came back, and it was gone. Did you call your Did you call your attorney immediately? I sh- like, <laughs> I did, and you know what I took home from smoking dough, um, because it wasn't on the menu. I took home the smoked flan. Oh yeah, yeah, same here. Oh my god, the, there's nothing like that. The next morning, so I think we went on a what on a on a Thursday was it on a Thursday, and Friday morning we got up. I made like just black coffee, and just had that flan. And it's it, tell me, was it like, wasn't it dessert barbecue in the morning? Yeah, it was. It has, like, okay, the thing it's got these two competing things happening. The first is the incredible creaminess of it. Like this is a really creamy, creamy flan. It's so. It's, it's like a custard. It's just delicious. But then it's got this like this smoky flavor that goes all around your mouth. Incredible. And so two different things happening at once. And with your coffee, dope. Yeah, yeah. No, no. It's uh, it's it's great because it's got like, I mean, it's a perfect flan. Like that's what I learned. You know, smoking basically is he basically smokes that flan for like five hours. So anything that's slow cooking, like uh, like the pressure cooker, like slow, low, even pressure, you know, even heat. Like that's what you need for a good flan. Like my brother, it's funny. My brother, he's like, this flan is too like I've had him like some of the flans I make at home. He's like, this flan is too creamy. I like the ones with the spongy holes in it, no. you know, because <laughs> it's just whatever you grew up with. And it's like if your mom makes a terrible flan, like yeah. that's what you grew up wanting to, you know. No, no disrespect to his mom, who's a wonderful lady. May she rest in peace. Tony's um, mom, her her um flan is a little bit spongy, but it's it, it's like spongy like near the. The caramelized part, but yeah, then when you get into the meat of it, and yeah. it's the same. You cannot tell my husband that anybody else's flan is better than his mama's. No, that's that's uh, that's a truism. Mom's mom's is always going to be the the measuring stick. Oh yeah, but we've had some crazy stuff going on this week, man. Um, so last week, I'm kind of kicking myself because last week I, I heard one of the the owners of Boya Day mention that he's like, "Hey, has anybody else had this thing happen?" where you get a bunch of negative reviews and then you get this extortion email saying if you want we put a bunch of these negative reviews on your on your uh, your Google reviews and if you want us to take them off send us a gift card through this anonymous email account this proton email account for 75 bucks and I kind of like looked into it and I was like oh, I guess it's only happening to them and then boom within the last week that's been happening to restaurants not just all over Miami but all over the country. So imagine it. I think it's such a disingenuous plot too cuz if you if you're going to do something like that, why are you only asking for 75 bucks? Like it seems like you should like aim higher, right? Well, you know what? I think it, the genius of it, not that there's anything genius of it because really it's dumb. You can just ignore it. But like the the genius of it is that it's an accessible number. Like right. maybe if I pay this small sum They'll leave me alone. They'll leave me alone, and then that's how they that's how they bring you along, you know. So I we, we wrote about that this week, and uh, and and people are really like I every day like after I wrote it, I still kept getting emails from folks like 
I'm getting scammed. I'm getting scammed. Uh, a new kitchen posted that they had one. Uh, Semilla, oh, down in Miami Beach, posted that they have one. Like, can you help us with this? I'm like, I've already written about it. So, you know, get on Google. It's really up to Google to like do the monitoring, but. Yeah, and the, the thing that it really brings to light is how important these reviews are. If you looked at the, the reviews on Boya Day, it's just a one star with like no comments, no like no complaints, just one one star and like some bogus account, you right. know. And or, so or, it's, or how unimportant they are, right? Like, yeah. Uh, on the other end, like how much like, you know, over the years, people have come to trust the crowdsourcing nature of it. Like that's right. why people... You know, they're like, oh, does the place have a thousand reviews? And what are the thousand people that have gone there said collectively? It's like that idea of like uh, if you put out a jar of jelly beans and and uh, you ask people to guess, like if you ask a large enough sample of people, you will eventually uh, get either the exact number or a really, really close number. Um, and I guess that, you know, it's the whole crowdsourcing idea. So that's why it's taken off. But these are the pitfalls of it. Like you right. don't know who's real versus well, no, let's I think, say an, I think independent, the truth is an independent food writer say at like a reputable publication, uh, you know, I, I think know, that's, that's Herald, what maybe the, the, the whole point is, is that it's important to the owners of the restaurants yeah. because I think that they see the, um, I think they see the results, like the, the better they rank the, the, probably the better they do on Google and, um, and like they take them seriously too, because they they respond to negative reviews, and they're like, "Oh, what did you do? I mean, what did we do that you didn't like?" And you know, they 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 try to reach out to people to understand where they can improve. But like, if you got a whole bunch of bunk one star reviews just like cluttering up your whole thing, yeah, that's but lame. As, as I understand it, like if you respond to them, they, that actually makes them less powerful. In other words, well, like if you yeah. manage to respond to each one, it it, it doesn't affect the. The overall score is much. Yeah, that's what I was looking at on our yet had a bunch of them, but they responded to all of them. They were like, oh, tell us what we can do to improve your 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 experience and nothing. You know, the little the 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 one star bots, they don't respond. Yeah, we do not respond to your (laughs) request. You get one star. The other thing I'm excited about this week, Carlos, is the story that you posted yesterday about Thomas Keller coming to Miami. And the reason why. The reason why he's bringing in his um, what's the name of his restaurant? The, All the right, fan- so Bouchon, which is uh, okay. Don't make me don't make locations. me speak French. No, it's called- uh, you don't want to hear me try anything <laughs> other than that word. That was it. That was my French. Okay, well, it's coming to the place where me and my husband actually got married. So la- the the oh. space where that restaurant La Palma was mm-hmm. over, it's over by Giralda. Um, corner of uh, corner of Giralda and and Alhambra, kind of where they meet over there. Yeah. Yeah, it's this old timey. It's this old timey building that used to be a hotel back in the like the '30s. And when I, you know, when I first got to Miami and I got married, it was a restaurant called La Palma, and it was like, you know, it was legit. It was one of those restaurants that has really nice decor, really nice ambiance, and uh, we would only get fish whenever we went there. We would always get the fish dish. They had a really good sea bass, and um, we had our oh, wedding that's, there. That's perfect for WGS. Yeah, the sea- white girl stomach loves sea bass for sure. So then um, we would go there every year afterwards. We would go there for our anniversary until one year we didn't. And then the next year we didn't. And then the next year we didn't. And then before we knew it, that place was closed. And we were like, oh, geez, we let it fall by the wayside. But now we can we can pick it up again. When's it coming again? When's it opening? Uh, They say early 2023. And I I talked to the developers and they said that's probably uh, January or February. Uh, okay. When they well, because they're because they're refurbishing because that's like an old building and it used to be like a hotel. It was actually one of the first hotels in all of Coral Gables. And uh, what they did is kind of the same guys that redeveloped uh, Gerald Plaza, like the old Scientology building. They redeveloped this, so they went in there and they took that old building and they cut it up, and it's going to be part retail, um, uh, part office space, and part and and his restaurant's going to take up the from what I understand the entire bottom floor. It's like 160. They have seats. like a little fountain in the center. That's around where I got married. It was very cute. Oh, that's very it was cute. very cute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's a clear sign. Like I talked to him yesterday, and he insists he's like, no, I look for great properties. I look for places with history. And he came back to like, I wouldn't have done it just to be in Coral Gables or just to be in Miami. But the truth is, now is when everybody's here. Like, right. It makes sense. Like he opened a surf club in 2017. Um, or he announced in 2017 and opened it in 2018. And um, and that's like when Miami's really, I mean, it had already, been, it's been building critical mass and we're way beyond that. Like obviously yeah. like 11 Michelin star restaurants 
in South Florida. And one of them, only one of them is one of the out of town. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Two of the Teddy out of town ones, the Surf Club and, and Cote mm-hmm. or Cote. Um, and so, I mean, that's a clear sign that like the, the, the ground is fertile and like, that's great if you open up a, a very nice, a restaurant in a very nice historic location in Wyoming, uh, it's not going to get the same traffic as in South Florida and in Coral Gables. So, um, you know, clearly. I'll be saving my pennies so I can go every December 20th. That's all I can say. Oh, okay. Right on. I mean, I'm, I'm curious about it. It's going to be a more accessible restaurant. It's not going to be, I mean, like all his restaurants, they're not cheap. There's not a single inexpensive restaurant in the town. define accessible carlos yeah I, I i mean well let's put it this way surf club like i did like the apollo 13 where where he has to turn on the lights in a certain order uh, or the ship the battery drains mm-hmm. i did that but with money leading up to 200 dollars <laughs> uh at the surf club and i was like can, like can babe stop drinking i know i was like we went in with a plan like you and i are gonna eat at the surf club and we're gonna stand at 200 dollars and this is how we're going to do it and how we're going to order. And we did <laughs> these, it. These are the exact equi- – this is all the equipment we have available to us. Yes, exactly. Don't. Exactly. I had the, all the engineers watching me, like, try a different <laughs> order. And I forgot uh, I forgot that Surfside had a tax. Like, I included all the tax. So it was like – I originally had planned, like, it was going to be 198 and change. Uh, and that included uh, 20% tip. We each had a drink. We each had des- – or we had a dessert. And but because of the surfside tax, it was like two oh one, something like that. Failed. So, you, so you failed the mission. You guys it's are close. you guys are floating in space I now. Know. I know. We're, I would have made a <laughs> would have made a terrible astronaut <laughs> for sure. Well, listen. I think that we have kept our guests waiting uh, a while long enough. But the truth is, I want to ask him about all this stuff because this you know he, this affects him too. You know. Um, so our guest today is Jose Mending. So what I love about Jose's restaurants uh, is that no two concepts are alike. Um, he opened a gastropub, a sushi chain, a Sunset Harbor Italian restaurant, and a Puerto Rican spot that tied back to his Boricua roots. And so his gift is mixing and matching flavors from outside a traditional cuisine to make something that's unique and uniquely his. Um, I still dream about this duck ravioli, uh, this duck and pumpkin ravioli that he made at the, uh, the original pub belly, uh, which is now Casa Isola. And um, he had a little controversy with his last restaurant, La Placita, when they painted the building like the Puerto Rican flag. The Boricuas loved it. It brightened up the neighborhood. People took so many selfies with it. But the city ultimately told him that he had to paint it over because of, uh, it was in a historic district that I guess didn't allow it. And he's opened a new space uh, in its place called Patio Isola. Oh, and he's doing it with uh, one of the best trained pizza chefs in Miami, uh, a guy named Santo Agnello, uh, who worked at Lucali. Uh, so let's get into it all and welcome Jose. Hey, welcome. How great. are you, man? Great. Yeah, great. Well, thanks for joining us, man. I mean, I I, I don't think we've had a chance to really talk about um, just stuff outside of outside of mural controversies in the last <laughs> couple of years. So, so I'm glad that we just get to shoot the breeze about other stuff today. We did that for a while. Yeah. Oh my God. It that was, was the topic. Long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, I'm so, like I couldn't imagine that like. Nobody opens a restaurant and thinks like, well, this is the thing I'm going to deal with from day one until the day that I, they close. It's like, what a, what a pain. It was crazy. And, and um, you know, you, everybody, everybody has a story. The story. <clears throat> we didn't do it on purpose. We, we, we did it with the right per, the permits that they told us we had to have. And then there was some permit missing that nobody told us. So we tried to do it the right way, but then all hell broke loose, you know. And yeah. once the, the flag is painted, then it's hard to take down. So we defended it as much as we could. Right. My right. favorite part of the whole controversy was the resolution that, okay, well, you can keep yours as long as this restaurant down the street has theirs. And if they don't have theirs anymore, then you can't keep yours. That was one of the twists that I found, like, really, it seemed like a really weird abdication of responsibility yeah, on the like, part well, of... <laughs> yeah, the commission was like, oh, no, you no, can no, do it. <laughs> Because they had Once a, they're gone. <laughs> they had a dis, uh, undisclosed agreement with one of the commissioners, and they can they couldn't release the information of the agreement. So the, all the other commissioners were like, "Well, then if you had an agreement with them, you're gonna we're gonna have to keep the same word for them." Yeah, so, but that, then they closed that, in the middle of the pandemic. I, <laughs> so I know it's like they went through all this, all this back and forth, all then based on this secret agreement, which is like the most Miami thing. This secret agreement, and then after they go through all that, finally get to a resolution, 
the place closed in the pandemic, and then they're like, okay, now you got to paint the thing again. In the middle of the pandemic. In, in the middle of the freaking pandemic. Trying to survive. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sorry you guys had to go through all that. It's uh, Well, we're, we're trying to put was, that past behind us yeah. and, and focus on this new venture that we have now. Well, tell me about this because I, I'm so curious about this because Lucali really makes – it makes one of the best pizzas in America, I you know, easily. Like it just makes a great pizza. And then, you know, that started in Brooklyn and then they started in Miami. Um, and your your pizza chef now, your partner, um, he, he started the – or he was the actual daily working chef. Yeah. Uh, Pizzaiolo. So, so tell me a little bit about Santos. We and Santos met right in the alley. The alley of Bobbelli is the alley of Lucali. Right, right. So There's we, an alley that, that they both share uh, in yeah, Sunset Harbor. Yeah, we share. So we became good friends back in the day when they opened Lucali, and I was in the back. And when he left Lucali, um, I had an opportunity to open a, a pizza food truck in Fort Lauderdale. And I approached him, and we did the Pie Father, which is inside the wharf in mm -hmm. Fort Lauderdale. In the pandemic, the, the, the wharf closed. So I brought him to work with me at Rivertail in, in Fort Lauderdale. And we started messing around with pastas and stuff like that. I said, and I had this space, Paul Belly, that I was trying to, you know, sell the lease. So we uh, we got together and we put this concept called Casa Isola, and, and we said, let's try it out in this in this in this and in our spot. And you know, it's been a, a local favorite. I mean, we did something really cool in the neighborhood there again. I think it's funny because when you were first opening it, you were like, yeah, I know another another Italian place. Because, <laughs> but but you always do something a little different, which I've always loved about your food. Like you always, it's not just like, oh, here's an Italian. We're making our own pasta, whatever. No, no, no. You always add a little non-traditional flavors or techniques, which I think is cool. Yeah, we uh, even though we want to make this very Italian American and as traditional as possible, I always add some techniques or or some flavors into some dishes that are unusual, and it's been very cool working with him. Because he's so uh, rustic and has these like flavor bases that are so like from family to and generation to generation, and then for me to come in and tell him, well, let's do this and that, uh, sometimes it's a little you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. at the at the end, we we, we kind of created something and we have a very good relationship in the kitchen, which is uh, hard sometimes for chefs to to see the same the same ways. Sure. Well, give us an example. Like, what what's something that he holds sacred that you were like, well, you don't have to do it like that. You could try it like this. Um, the Caesar salad dressing. Um, <laughs> okay. He had his Caesar salad dressing, and I had you know my version of it that I had done before at Pub Belly and, and, and in other places. And instead of using uh, just straight lime juice, I, I wanted to put yuzu into yuzu yuzu, juice into yuzu. it. Yeah, okay. And he's like, no, you're not putting yuzu into my Caesar dressing. You're crazy. <laughs> And I'm like, let me do mine and try it. And when he tried it, it was like, whoa, man, it's really brightened up, you know, the, yep. the dressing because it could be a heavy dressing sometimes. But if you, if you put that citrus in there, you know, it could be something that's very refreshing. And and we ended up doing a really big ass, you know, a Caesar, dress, a yeah. Caesar salad dressing. So that's one, that's one of the, the examples that, you know, that I can tell you. That's such a Latino thing. It's like... Get out of the way. Mira, vamos a echarle un poco de esto, un poco de otro. Se acabó el limón. Se acabó el limón, que no hay limón. In, in the Dominican Republic, they say, a falta de, yeah. a falta de pan, cassave. Because cassave is like the, the, the bread made with yuca. With yuca, yeah. yeah. And in Cuba, too, that my dad loved nothing more than to take just like a big piece of cassave and just drizzle it with olive oil and salt and toast it and just, just munch on that. Like such an old school, you know country thing right <laughs> oh yeah mate what is it with you and like and all these chef bros going out like i see all the i see all the instagram picture with you and beltran mike beltran and kush oh. and you guys look like the like the cover of entourage season six. Oh yeah you're the last in our collection <laughs> oh, we were yes. collecting we were collecting we're, the bros we're collecting the entourage bros and, and you're the last in the collection well i can't tell you much what happens in this uh, meetings <laughs> No, it's, what, it's awesome. Uh, like what three, happens in years, Entourage stays in Entourage. <laughs> two years ago, uh, we started meeting um, uh, Matt, myself, Beltran, um, and and Zach the Baker mostly. Yeah, and we're coming off the pandemic and and basically just like having one dinner a month. We'll get together, talk about our businesses, and help each other out, and talk about our, our pains and and just basically relax and just have a good time and then go in to support other local businesses. You know, like we yeah. try to do this in, in restaurants that, that are local, that, 
you know, and sometimes we haven't, but you know, we try to to do as much as we can to to support our friends, and it's that's a lot of fun. We should, come, yeah. we, should come, we should come with one of those I, I, Oh, Carlos, I, you're getting invited to a secret dinner. I'm getting invited to it. I probably will come back in pieces because because <laughs> I can't I can't get down like them chefs, man. Them chefs. Well, first one it, to leave it, gets a lot of gets a lot of you know crap. Gets a lot of crap, bro. A lot of grief. Yeah, no, my my liver's not uh, is not fortified yet enough. But but maybe if I'm if I'm lucky enough to be invited, I'll I'll take two Advil in advance and give it a shot. So. We'll give you a date and you start training. <laughs> you got to work up to that, Carlos. It's true. Oh yeah. Speaking of chefs, kind of supporting each other. What do you think about this online scammer thing, where these people, these scammers? I saw, are... I saw it, um, I saw it through Michael's post, and then I saw you on TV yesterday talking about it. Um, it That's is crazy. ridiculous. It is. <laughs> Has that crazy. ever happened to you? Did, did it happen uh, to any of your venues? Honest, honestly, like I haven't seen anything. But I'm gonna I'm gonna look into it again. Uh, I don't know. I, I it's like you said, like it's exactly like you said, like seventy five dollars. It is something that people say. Yeah, just pay the seventy five bucks so they go away. But if you mind, if a thousand people do that you know, around the country, these people are making some money, and yeah, it's something that we don't need to be worrying about right now. We're worrying about the summer in Miami, which is like our time to to you know to be dealing with our restaurants and trying to cut costs and trying to you know make our business work and trying dealing with some google review scammer that is trying to just mess with your time and, and patience so you know? do you guys put a lot of stock in those reviews like you guys take them seriously right like it's it's a it's a thing that you guys are concerned about or is it something that like a, you guys don't think about it that much we uh in all my restaurants we take very seriously what all the customers say like it's very important it's a matter this person doesn't know much about food or, or they do know, you know, for, for us, the most important thing is the customer leaves happy. And then they, and then, and if they had a problem, see what happened, how can we fix it? Sometimes there's unreasonable, you know, things that usually go like, whoa, you know what, just let it go. But if you see a bad review, yes, we want to go and ask the person what happened, you know. You know, we're dealing with a lot of uh, personalities in the restaurant, you know, a lot of factors that can trigger a, a, a customer to have a bad experience. So... We just want to do as much as we can to bring them back and not lose their business and, and try to give them the experience that we, we're really trying to do for them. Right. Yeah, and I imagine the part of it is is just like is just like this idea that that you're trying to focus on your business and you have all this stuff going on on the outside that's already making it, you know, it's making it much more difficult to do what Yeah, okay. I mean, this it's just, just plain ridiculous. It, uh, so what do you guys do in the summer? Like what? Uh, speaking of the summer in general, because the summers, the summer is Miami. It's interesting because it's it's always there's always a dip, right? And last summer I think was was something we'd never seen where it was busier than high season because everybody in the country everybody was, was excited to get out. Well, no, everybody was in Miami too. So mm-hmm. like the rest of the country was closed. Not the rest. You know what I mean. The rest of the country yeah. still had very strong COVID restrictions. Miami did not, and it's like everybody in their abuela uh, was in from New York and San Francisco. Chicago was all down here. You know. Yeah. Uh, what was that? Chicago, what was that summer like versus this one? It's crazy. It's, it's been so different. Uh, last summer was, and I'm normally in in Miami. I'd never seen anything like it to have a, such, a, such a busy uh, summer. Yeah. Like you say, New York took forever. LA, Chicago to open up. Europe. So this summer, everybody just like left town, um, and it's a regular. It's actually it's a regular Miami summer. It's a regular so we, Miami summer. I've been cooking in Miami for 24 years. Uh, I am I'm used to it. Uh, a lot of my restaurants are very small, so like it's good to keep costs. You know, it's easier. A lot of right. big restaurants have more problems because how do you operate a big restaurant? So with, with right. when you have a, a big dining room and a lot of chairs, you know, that you have to take care of. Um, but it's not easy. You have to be, you have to think out of the box and doing different things. You know, I've done a lot of uh, dinners, uh, pop-ups, uh, you know, guests. I mean, to think about it, I try. Two I, for I've one, done, karaoke, you know, like, yeah, you know, it takes. I have done karaoke places, before. Yeah, I'm sure. Do, um, do you do Miami Spice at some of your venues? Or? Yes. Well, actually, Miami Spice helps a lot. Miami Spice really? helps a lot. Really? That's good to hear. Yes. And we are big believers in Miami Spice and Pop Belly. But Belly, Miami Spice, uh, I've always done very well. Brings a lot of people in. And it is something that really works and something that I give credit for the Greater Miami Convention Bureau to, to create because it has helped businesses a lot in the summer. 
to people getting people out of the houses and, and going trying a lot of the restaurants. And and I think it brings a lot of business to restaurants. So what what's the formula? Like when you do a Miami spice menu, what is the ideal formula so that you can make money and the customer feels like they got their money's worth? Well, you want to give them your flavors. You want to give them your experience. But maybe the check average is going to drop a little. But you're bringing assets to your seat. So, you right. know, you're, you're, make, you're making more money than what you used to you, if you didn't have it. So right. uh, you have to cost out your menus. You want to give them an experience that that is, you know, the same as the one you give in the restaurant. And, and just, you know, I know some chefs believe in it. Some chefs don't believe in it. You know, it's like... I try to I try to have fun with it and make it something that that uh, that works and it has to work for me in the past so I still believe in it. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I know Beltran is is not on board with that. I know he's been very know, vocal about it. He's been vocal about it over the years. He's what's like, no, what's his beef? What does he complain about? He, he doesn't like the he doesn't think the the price points appropriate or what? I think that's what it is. I don't know. Uh, you have to ask him. I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. We're not, we're, we're oh, not I'm trying ask. to get the cheese man out of Carlos. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, that's what he's told me in the past. I've written that in the past. He just felt like that he couldn't get, he couldn't do the kind of food that he wanted to do at that. Oh, it just didn't work out with like, what he was doing. But but he's not alone. I mean, My, uh, Michael Schwartz has for years not done it. Um, you know, and like that's two of the notable ones, you know, but. but, but he's but doing like, it this I do, year. I, I, do, I do have one thing to say about Miami Spices and for the restaurants that, do, that, that decide to do it. Do it well. Yes. Don't hide the menus on the, the, the regular menu. You know, be oh. be proud of it because if you do it half-assed, then it's not going to work out for you. Right. So if you're going to do it, do it. Offer it. You know, embrace it. If, if, if you're going to do it, fine, you know, but don't hide it. You know, like a lot, a lot, and a lot of places that I worked before, you know, when I was younger, they were like, no, no, don't give it the Miami Spice menu. You know, oh, interesting. Oh, like, my. Put it, really? Put it, th- put it there to get them in, but maybe they'll forget about but it. But they'll forget about it. Exact, exactly. Uh, don't do that. Uh, so or, or make them think it's not available today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that happened to me. That happened to me once. It was a big group of us, too. And I've already explained to Carlos, I have this phobia of eating dinner with a big group just because I don't I don't like yeah, I, <laughs> I don't that. like the variation and like what people get. So we went to. Oh, it was, I think it was uh, when Morton's was open, the one in Brickell. And um, yeah, and they were like, yeah, no, no Miami Spice today. And she had called in advance and she was like, you know, but they were like, nah, sorry. You have to train your staff for that not to happen and you have to always supervise them for that not to happen. Oh, and then I did, I did another Miami Spice and I'm not going to name names, but it was a very fancy place. Like a little teeny tiny, very fancy place that made everything very espumosa. That's that's the clue that I'll give you. There was a lot of foam. I know the place that you were talking about. <laughs> and everybody left Jose hungry. Knows the place. Everybody and left see, and hungry. Then, and then you see that now they're they now they're damaging their their name because you had a bad experience from it. You know, so you're gonna do it. Do it right. Yeah, right I think right. it's. I think that's the move. Like, give make it be like a represent like a representation of like what you do best. Yeah. But maybe like a. Don't give like him wagyu beef. Don't give him lobster, but yeah, you know, right. give him something that represents your cuisine and what you do. It's that thing where, like, if you're gonna put it on the menu, it should be good, right? Like that thing where you go in Italy and you say, "Oh, what's good?" They say everything is good. You know, <laughs> like why would I put it on the menu if it's not good? Uh, so I, I feel like I feel like that's true. Oh, yeah, Jose, you you mentioned you've been cooking for 24 years, but but tell me, like, I don't know how you came up. Really, I know that you were you were born on the island. Like, just tell me a little bit about, like, what part of the island you were born in and, and, like, what brought you, like, when and you came over and, and what I was what born and raised in Puerto Rico. Um, I went to uh, college in Puerto Rico in a volleyball scholarship. What? And Stop right there. Stop right yeah. there. Yeah. You went on a volleyball scholarship. That's cool. That's yeah. it. Was it a big sport on the island? Yeah, I played volleyball since I was five years old. I went to Junior Olympics, you know, I... Listen I was to really this. good, but I was short. I got I was short. I'm six one, and, and for a sport, it's pretty short, you know. Unless I'm like a yeah. defender, and, and and I don't know. Went to college and kind of like didn't want to play anymore. I don't know. The guys were too big. There was a very good team, and I kind of dropped out, and I ended up going back to San Juan and 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 learning about culinary school in in the states, and kind of like wanted to learn more about 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 the industry. So I came to Miami. I went to Johnson & Wells, started cooking right away, worked at Turnberry. 
yeah. back when in the veranda where bourbon steak is right now. Yeah. It was yeah. called the veranda. It was more of a, a private club. And then had the opportunity to open Nobu back in 2001 right, in, uh, right. in, the, in the short club. And that's but, what but, kind of my, my love for Japanese food started, you know. And so, so, when, so when you were a volleyball player, did you think like, like, did you play so much that you're like, I can make a career? It's funny because my all my kids have played. My little one was just at a national tournament, uh, was at a AAU national tournament. And I, I played. I played into college. Same thing. I'm six foot, like, like on a good day. I'm six foot on a, uh, on a good day. And I, uh, I was not a setter. And then I played a little defense. And when I got to college, I was like, these guys are too big. Yeah. <laughs> these I mean- guys are all six, seven. And you're five, eleven and a, and a, and a, and a hiccup. You know? Well, you and just then, need you just need to grow longer arms. That's what you got to do. Yeah, no. Just make your yeah. arms jump, longer. Or jump very high. Or yeah, jump, jump very higher. high. But there was something that was not back then when I played. That was called uh, the, uh, the libero. The libero wasn't around when we were when wasn't we were around, playing, right? and I would have been a great libero. I, I also would have been a good libero. Yeah. Okay. What's good, a libero, uh, boys? What does so, that mean? So a libero is this defensive only player that comes in at any point in the game. They can switch out with anybody who's in the back row who doesn't hit, who doesn't jump and hit. They just have to be fast and get to the ball to keep it up so that the guys up front can hit. So they that position the, didn't exist when I was coming up. And they put in the middle of the, of the court to defend the, the, the serve, to pass the serve to the setter. Right. So because all, all the big guys are not good defenders because they can't, you know, really crouch that well. Right. So the libero comes in and, and, the, and, and replaces the big guys that can't defend. And they didn't have that when I was like, because I would have been a great one. But listen, I, I was a great career move because <laughs> I would have never been a volleyball like a professional player. So I no, think no. I took the, my big first career move was you know, a quit in volleyball. Who did, so, who did you, did, was there somebody you grew up watching? Like for me, I loved watching Sinjin Smith because he was a little guy. Oh, yeah. Sinjin and he Smith, could say, was, yeah, yeah, those, those uh, guys were beasts. Well, the kings uh, of the beach. Oh man, yeah, they look amazing. Tim and, Tim Wilson, I forget the redheaded, the guy with the big red, yeah, the, red the, hair, the, flat, the flat top, the flat yeah, top, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> oh, you got the same. Yeah, yeah, we're same. we're in the same generation. Remember that movie, the movie Side Out. I do. That was a terrible movie, but but uh, it was the only volleyball movie ever. But I was like, look at that! My sport is in a it's movie. Like the Top Gun of volleyball movies. Yes, it's like you should you should take your kitchen bros and make a volleyball team, and then you guys can meet up and do volleyball games instead. Or do they call them games? I, I would love to see Zach the Baker in a bikini playing volleyball. <laughs> una tanguita. Yeah. Zach, una tanguita. Oh, yeah, with a little... With who, would that, with the, that, who would be that the Top libero? Gun music. No, Jose. Uh, no, who's the uh, smallest No, he's, he's the tallest. He, him and Zach would be the taller ones, right? It's got to be Kush. It's got to be Kush. got to be Kush. Kush, Kush would be the, all, the, the multi-purpose you know, player there. You know? Yeah, the foul mouth multi-purpose. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's fun. Oh um, So when when you started cooking, did anybody really cook when you were growing up? Like, was there a person well, in your my, life that was uh, the? My great grandmother was a cooking teacher. Oh, and she did uh, cooking classes for housewives in in her home, and I have her books in my house uh, from my mom. My mom cooked very well, but my mom would not let anybody in the kitchen. She hated. I was helping her, washing dishes for her. Nothing, you know, get out, get out of my way. Well, wow. funny, she was you know, serious about it. She I didn't learn serious. anything from my mom. <laughs> when, I, when I move away to go to college, that's when I start getting recipes for her from her, and I start cooking at home. That's where I start cooking for my roommate, so that you know, gratifying satisfaction of people just like, oh, I love your food, it was so good. You know, like that was by my first, you know, like experience of feeling that somebody. Really, uh, I love to host, you know, I'm a host guy, I love, I love hospitality, so I, I just love getting people together and having a good time. Yeah, see, I think I, I see that in you big time, like the like the come into the party kind of guy. Was that you I at the it. dorm? Was that you in the dorm, like cooking It wasn't the dorm? a dorm, it was, yeah, it was like a dorm, like a little, you know, apartment in, in my West <laughs> with no AC, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. There's a kid that uh, I think he's got an online cookie company or something like that. But he started at UM. Uh, he started baking cookies in the dorms at UM. And I think either it was this kid or somebody else where, they, you know, you like you had to have like the password to come into the, the dorm and you pick <laughs> it up inside his dorm. And the kid was cooking in the dorm kitchen or whatever. And it's like I just, you know, that's 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 a guy that, that likes to hustle and likes the, the whole cooking thing, which I think is pretty cool. So what would you make in your dorm room? Like what were your dishes? Well, his, 
Well, uh, definitely my rice and beans were like the hit. You know, uh, uh, you know, Puerto Ricans eat like red beans. Cubans eat black beans. Yeah. So it's like a like a like a red bean stew that my mom gave me. That was kind of the first things I ever did. And then you know, like chicken fricassee and and stuff to pair with the beans. Always it was like a different thing with avocado salads. And but definitely the chicken fricassee and the red beans were the first things that I kind of like mastered. You know. The, the, what's in the red beans? Can you tell us or do you have to kill us? Is that is that a mom's recipe? Oh, I mean, it's a traditional, you know, you make a traditional sofrito and recao and, you know, pumpkin, onions, you know, uh, braise them, you know, a lot of cilantro, culantro. Oh, the uh, best. A little bit of chicken stock we put, you know. Uh, culantro is a big thing that you see in, in I think, in, in Puerto Rican and Cuban cooking. Like my and dad. Dominican loved, too. Yeah, they love culantro versus cilantro, which I didn't really grow up with until, like, until yeah, so, I started yes, writing about food. Yes, it, he has a deeper, darker flavor that, that cilantro cannot reach, I think. Yeah, there is there is some kind of um, there is some kind of like a, a, a richness to it, like and, and you can't eat it like on your own. You can't like you can't sprinkle it on food the way you can with cilantro. I think cilantro. I think that's why cilantro is so popular. Yeah, no, I think culantro looks like a big fat dandelion weed. You yeah, know? it looks. Like, it does look like a weed, but it's, it's great. Not, for it's cooking. not pretty. It's not pretty. That's for sure. Yeah, no. it's not pretty. But you know what? The best food is not pretty uh, a lot of times. That's true. That's completely true. We try to make it pretty. We want to make it, you know. If, if it's ugly and it tastes good, you know. Mira, dice Burger Beast. I'm looking at the comments. Burger Beast dice, when is he opening a restaurant in Westchester, Hialeah, or Kendall? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Man. I, have, I guess I haven't had much opportunities there or... or Anybody asking me to, but um, we are opening our next public sushi in Pembroke Pines. And oh, okay. that's the that's, Kendall of Broward, right? That's the Kendall that of Broward. That is the Kendall of Broward. That's the furthest I've opened one, but we 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 have looked I mean we go by 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 demand, I guess. Well, let me ask you about that because I'm curious about because because Pub Belly, what I loved about that restaurant. I mean, I'm sure it's what you loved about it, is that, that it was like inviting people into your home. That's what it felt like. Every time I went, uh, even before I was writing about food or anything else, you were always in the kitchen. You were back there and da 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 la cosa. And Publicly Sushi is a different thing where you kind of create an idea and a concept that you feel you can repeat and you start doing a lot of places. Do you, number one, do you feel like that, how do you keep that going so that making sure that it's consistent? And two, do you ever see yourself opening a restaurant where you're in it again every day like you were in the beginning? That's a good question because uh, the way that we grew so fast was, you know, fast was, we, it was so, you know, I don't know, it was weird because we had Pop Belly and we had uh, instant success with Pop Belly and it was a, such a, a low investment restaurant, you know, that uh, after like eight months, we had the two spaces next to us in the corners empty. And that's how Barceloneta was born. You, know, you were an original opened, partner in Barceloneta. I was original partner in Barceloneta um, with Manuel and Juliana, which mm -hmm. Manuel used to work with other people, and Juliana was the wife uh, of my partner, his ex-wife now. And in the other side, we have Popoli Sushi, uh, the corner that was empty. And I'm known for, you know, I ran Sushi Samba for six years. You know, I worked for Nobu, and, you know, I had this uh, love for sushi. And... We go like, well, we have Pop Belly. Let's open Pop Belly Sushi. You know, and it was like, okay, so I can manage this right next door. But the Pop Belly Sushi concept got a lot of like, it, it, it wasn't me behind the, the kitchen every day. It was like I was in Pop Belly. Right. And that one, you know, we, we could duplicate a lot because it was it was a different type of concept. Right. Um, when we started, I started doing other concepts, I, got, I had to leave the kitchen at Pop Belly, you know. Right. To, 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 to take care of all the things that I wanted to do. And I do see myself in a, in a couple of years doing something and I have, I have a concept in mind um, that I want to do and, and being there behind the line every day. But now ooh, I have to... I'm, I'm I have to, uh, I have to do uh, a lot of things in the last couple of years that I have to deal with and to, 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 to keep my company you know, afloat and make it yeah. successful and... and uh, you know, I try to do as much as I can and the best I can. But yes, I definitely there will be uh, another restaurant where I'll be behind the line. 
How you, hard you, was it for you to how hard was it for you to like have to close the one concept that was pretty much the thing that launched you into like Miami's culinary radar? Like that yeah, must like have five, been five James Beards, like I mean, that must have been tough. there. That was a big, big it, was, it was really tough. And you know, for me to leave that kitchen and had to go put up put out another fire uh, of a mistake from uh, our company mate uh, was was tough for me, you know, and it is what it is, you know. I don't. Uh, I've I've had I've had you know ups and downs, but I think I'm in a good place right now. And uh, it it was just you know losing your your, your baby is not easy, but I'm very happy for me to transform it into Casa Isola, and and do this venture with Santo and and kind of re revive this space and make it into what it is now, and and again be there hosting people and and showing our hospitality, but in a different setting. You kind of transformed. When, oh, I'm sorry. You you kind of transformed that whole neighborhood just by being there, right? Yeah, we definitely did. I, when we came in, it was very dark. It was uh, the parking lot in the middle where Nayara is and on all these places. Our true love is in the middle. That parking space was not there. It was an empty lot with a green right. fence where all the tow trucks used to put their cars. Um, it was very dark. Uh, it was pretty lounge. And there was a bunch of restaurants that have failed around. And in the other corner, you had a B&B Burger. I don't know if you guys remember b I remember that. And I remember, what was it, Allen? Uh, what was the restaurant that was on? That Joe, Allen. Joe, Joe Allen. Joe Allen was there for a long Allen. time. And that closed uh, some years back. So, but a very uh, old, very old-timey restaurant and like a burger place. and and then, But nothing really like inventive. Nothing really like exciting. And then you guys created like this... Um, I would call it like a, almost like a stock portfolio. Like, you know, we have sushi over here. We have, you know, a gastro bar here. We have um, Spanish tapas. And you guys, if I'm not mistaken, were like part of like Maquilina or something at the beginning. Yeah, we opened Maquilina. Some... Yeah, yes. we opened Maquilina together. And, and, then, uh, and then we broke up. They, they took their the brand and they've done an amazing job with it. Uh, but we started together, yes. Yeah, so I mean, like, the, it's literally, it was like this portfolio of different kinds of food, which I think goes in line with what you still do yeah. now. And, and Yeah, I, mean, I, I love cooking. I love partnerships. Like I said, I love, I love being around people. I love hosting people. And I, I love, I love uh, making dishes that are very flavorful. And it doesn't matter what it is, you know. But yes, I have, uh, my favorite is, will be Japanese and, and kind of European uh, uh foods you know oh i can't I, i'm very curious about what the next thing is because we've seen we've seen pub belly steak which was great uh which was only around for like not not maybe a year yeah pub belly steak uh it lasted like a year and a half and then we ended up moving to the langford uh lechon or, or no a different place was lechon it was like 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 lechon but with l apostrophe yeah lechon like was in uh, cabana hilton yeah I they sold the hotel well. and they wanted to go another route uh more of a Casual American place. Yeah, they put some, they put some boring. They put some boring steakhouse or whatever in there. Yeah. But that was that was always interesting. Yeah, we, I think you, you know, should... listen, we 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 started very really young, and <laughs> and we, uh, it's been awesome to see us grow. You know, and 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 we make a lot of mistakes, and we made a lot. Of, we have a lot of success. We made a lot of mistakes, but it's good that you know because you learn and you and you keep doing. You know what you love and. Hopefully you don't make the same mistakes. Again. Well, getting back to what Burger Bee said, I think a Puerto Rican place in Kendall would be a hit. I know, nay. Are they going to let me play music there? Because I have to. Like, well. <laughs> a million fines to pay for La Placita. Oh, oh yeah. God. That's yeah, true. No, Kendall will let you do whatever you want. Yeah. We'll, we'll, just, we'll find you the right plaza. I just exactly. couldn't have a Puerto Rican restaurant without playing music. And then every time yeah. I put the music on, the police will come. I mean, the police became part of our customers. <laughs> they gave like, us so many fines uh, that they would we'll pick up some mofongo and tell them to turn the music down. They're like, "We'll just eat our, we'll just eat the, the fines, basically." We'll <laughs> Pass me some croquetas and turn the music down. <laughs> I cannot make this up. This is actually happened. It's every night. That's well, they know good food. I mean, they're there. Yeah. They might as well eat. And your your Puerto Rican concept, and I, and I thought that that people just didn't get this uh, uh, early, even even to the end. Like, you weren't just gonna do. Un mofongo and un arroz con gandule, you know, like you weren't going to do the traditional thing. You were going to do the Jose thing where you put the guy that puts yuzu 
in a Caesar salad making <laughs> making his Puerto Rican food. So like you know Puerto Rican food, but you also know all these other flavors. And uh, I think that 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 yeah, that didn't work out at the beginning. Um, Puerto Ricans are very they didn't like that traditional with their food. Yeah, and you know, but the, the food was great. I mean, people. I mean, they were, Still, people coming in ask, asking for for some of the dishes. They're like, where is like, it? What happened to it? I'm like, hey, I mean, we're serving now pizzas and pastas. I'm sorry. But, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about it, in Puerto Rico, they have like they literally have like destinations where you go for specific stuff. You know, like if you want to get, they have like La Ruta del Lechon, and then they got Naranjito, oh, yeah, yeah. and they got you know they got piñones. They've got places where you go and you get the thing that you know that's the thing over there to get the fritura or the lechon or oh, the. Yeah. When you, know. you guys go, let me know. I'll give you my list. Do you, do you, do you miss that? That like Miami? I mean, it's so close. Uh, and and yet the biggest Puerto Rican population obviously is in is in Orlando, but that we I mean we really don't have a lot of options for really great Puerto Rican food. There's I, I'm not saying we don't have any, but I'm saying we don't have a lot. Like there might I can think of one or two places uh, that yeah. get all the business. They get all the business. Yeah, basically, they get all the business. Open a Puerto Rican restaurant, have it be decent, and you'll get all the business. Basically, uh, was there's very few options. Yes, that's for sure. Yeah. So I are are you going to do that again? Well, in we. We don't have it right now in the plans, but we do have the brand, we have the concept, and we know that when the right place opens up, like it comes up to us, we will we'll do it. It could be here, it could be Orlando, it could be... Okay, so know. there's a there's that plaza where Smoking Dough is at, right? They have a Dollar Tree. I think that Dollar Tree is going to close. And when that Dollar Tree closes, <laughs> <laughs> I want you to get in there right away. <laughs> Because there's nobody in the back, in the front, and there's no. It's on Candle, right on Candle Drive. No, it's right on um, what's the street? Uh, Corway, is it? it? Or Bird? No, it's Corway Bird. Bird. It's on Bird. It's on Bird. Or wait, is it on Corway? Anyway, it's over there, and nobody's around, and you can play your music as loud as you want. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll come take a look at it. Oye, Jose. Bueno, listen. Before we let you go, you have to play our. We have to play our game. We we make you play Kiss Mary Kill, but with food. You know that? We'll give you three things. You got to kiss one. Another one's one that you want to have a fling with. You got to pick one to marry, and then you got to cut one out. So we're going to give you three foods. You, you want to play some Kiss, Mary Kill with us? I never heard this game before, so wait. I have to oh, kiss yeah. one? Well, it's generally, kiss done, it's generally done with people. It's generally done with people, Kiss, Mary Kill, and it's not... Kissing. Kissing, <laughs> but we're, we're a family newspaper and podcast. And we trying wanna, to keep it PG up in we're here. We're trying to keep it PG up in here, so yeah. So, Amy, you want to handle Kiss, Mary Kill? Okay, so we're going to do the uh, piñones, Kiss, Mary Kill. It's not Kiss. Kiss, Mary Kill. Uh, Alcapurrias, bacalaitos, and piononos. <laughs> Kiss, Mary Kill. Oh, yeah, look at the look I on will, his face. He's, like, immediately sweating. I Oh, it's hard because it's one of my, one of my three favorite things that I, that I like. But if I had to kiss one, it would be bacalaito. All right, well, tell us what do you what do you like about the bac the bacalaito? Like, what is a perfect bacalaito for you? A perfect bacalaito has to be uh, a big one, and okay. it has to have that you know bacalao flavor inside, and it has to be crispy outside, but it has to be a little gummy in the inside. That mm. dough has to be a little gummy. Okay. Yes. And it's my mom's favorite fritura. So. Oh wow. I can you know. The first thing that we go in Puerto Rico, and she has to get one, you know, when you go to the beach. You so have to marry kiss? one? Yes. Uh, alcapurria, because that's my favorite. Uh, fritura is alcapurria, and uh, I'm in love with that thing, you know. And How do you, what, what is your favorite one? Like, is there one from a place that you love to get, yeah. or do you have to make your own? Or? En piñones, uh, en el boricua. El kiosco el boricua. El kiosco el boricua. The thing about piñones is, don't stop in the first one. Right, you gotta keep you gotta going. Keep going. And, mm -hmm. and, oh, okay. What okay. was one of the last ones? And don't get distracted. A, don't get distracted. Yeah, and it's and it's a, and, and they, everything's made fresh. They're not they're not like really hanging on top of the caldero with the fry with the fry oil. And you know they fry everything with with manteca. You know, manteca. Uh, hard, you know. Yeah, for sure. So they put all this the thing on top when they're done. Now they make it fresh. So you have to wait a little bit. Oh, and I, I can kill the pionono because I can't eat one of those right now. It's too fattening. It's too much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to fry plantain, stuff with meat, 
then dip in a batter and fry it again. So, <laughs> That's a lot of frying. That is a lot, a lot of frying. frying. But and, and it is delicious, your, though. It is delicious. Yeah. yeah. Like like most of that, anything uh, things that are salty and greasy and hot are delicious yeah. and also terrible for us. <laughs> well, Jose, you have been a prince to make so much oh, time for, for us to me. talking with us. And, and it's always great to catch up with you and see what you have going on next. Uh, Patio y Saola. Uh, is Patio Isola uh, in Mimo uh, looks wonderful. The space looks beautiful. Uh, we wrote a story about it. You can find it online and find out all about uh, Jose's uh, next adventure. We'll be, waiting, we'll be waiting for you guys over there. All right, man. We'll be there. Take care, Thank buddy. Thank you very much for having me. Bye. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming. Our pleasure, bud. Thank you. Oh man, just, I need just, some, I need, just, I need some yes, fritura now. I know exactly what you're going to say. <laughs> just hearing him, the way that he just described each of those foods and the the glimmer in his eyes, like, ah. Oh, the bacalaito, yeah. Oh, he, he really man. knows what he's looking for like when, in a bacalaito. A, like, just saying it, like, he's like, I could go for one right now. Mm -hmm. Like, you can see him, you can see the wheels turning where he's like, man, with the little, the gummy, the gumminess of the dough as you get towards the center. That's I'm so best. glad Burger Beast mentioned that he really does need to open a Puerto Rican place in, in Miami, like specifically in Kendall. I'll go to Westchester. I would even drive to Hialeah for it. Yeah, I, I, Hialeah. Let me tell you, I think Hialeah is like fertile ground for a lot of uh, a lot of things. Like I feel like yeah, maybe if he went into like one of those areas where it's like kind of warehousey, yeah, you know, where there's not to, a lot of houses. Yeah, over over by where uh, Kushri did. Um, the Stevens Deli and where like Avra Avra Jane is redoing that um, that big party area. It's like that right. big music venue, which is which is kind of still What's like it a called hole again? in the ground. It's called Hialeah. I don't know what it's. Called. Oh, I forgot the name already. Anyway, yeah, I for, I forgot it also. But like that area, I mean, you know, Hialeah. Factory is just Town. Waiting. That's Factory what it's called. Town. Yeah, Hialeah is just waiting, man. It really is just waiting to for for somebody to like take another gamble on it. So, it's gonna blow up. It's gonna I blow know. up like Detroit. Yeah. Uh, Amy, this uh, does this feel like a show? Feels like a show. All right, Let me go well. find something fried to eat now. Yeah, no, no. I think that uh, I think our lunch plans are all ruined now. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I can't eat I can't eat my my yogurt and granola now after hearing Jose describe that food. But no, too basic. We need I'm some gonna, fritura up in here. Yeah, I'm gonna go rummage through the kitchen see what I find. All right. Peace out. Peace out.